Welcome to the Bluff Podcast, where you get the bottom line up front and we won't waste your time. All right. Hello, everybody. How's everybody doing? I'm hoping that everybody is finding this recording great. We are back again live with the Bluff Line coming at you. I am your host, Command Sergeant Major Juan Jimenez. And again, like always, we tend to bring, as we look into it, special guests. We bring hot topics that you want to listen to. And with that, I appreciate the feedback that you give me. I appreciate the calls out to look into bringing special guests onto the show. And as a matter of fact, we are going to have another special guest, like always, on the show today. By popular demand, you guys uh, reached out to me, and I wanted to reach out to our Fox Army House Sergeant Major to bring him out talk to us a little bit about Fox Army House Center. So without further ado, I'd like to introduce Sergeant Major Isagani Malwak and let him talk a little bit about himself and a little bit about his background. So I'm going to toss the mic over to him and, you know, welcome to the show, Star Major. And I appreciate the time that you're giving us. I know you're busy over there helping the community and having the opportunity to talk a little bit about what happens at the Fox Army Health Center and a little bit about you is going to be something special. So over to you and uh, thank you for being on the show. Hey, Star Major Jimenez. I, I appreciate the opportunity to come on uh, and just talk to the community of Redstone Arsenal and the Huntsville-Madison family out there. So a little bit about me. Uh, I just took over Fox Army Health Center uh, as their Sergeant Major in July, end of July. A little bit about me. I was born in the Philippines and lived in Japan for about 13 years. I grew up there. I'm a Navy brat, so that's how I ended up living there for 13 years. My dad didn't want to come back to the States, so he just PCS to a different ship. And in the Navy, I guess that's considered a PCS. So originally, when I first joined the military, I really wanted to be an MP. But Sergeant Major Jimenez, I don't know if you remember back in 1995, when I originally joined the uh, California National Guard, I wanted to be MP. They said that I was too short at the time. They had a height requirement to become a military police officer. So the next best job or career for me was to become a medic. They sold it to me to be uh, as a combat medic. Right. And, and the word combat reminded me or triggered me to think about Rambo and Arnold Schwarzenegger and Commando and all yeah. those movies that, you know, they were out there and they were all in the army. So I was like, yeah, I'm in. Right. And yeah, they got me. So that's how I ended up in the medical field. Hey, look, so, uh, you know, I'm glad you're with uh, the army team. And I know you have a, a background of uh, Navy with the family. And sometimes they usually follow the footsteps of, of their family members, but often other times they want to do something different. I can tell you as an army recruiter, you know, when I was out there uh, recruiting, you know, I, I recruited in an Air Force town, but I was able to recruit a lot of people into the United States Army because they just wanted to do something different than what their parents were doing. But thank you for, you know, obviously being on the show and telling us a little bit about your background, you know, and, and going into the field that you went into. And I appreciate the field you went into because I know you've brought a wealth of knowledge to the field and uh, obviously you've made it up to the uh, senior ranks. What or why do you serve? in the United States Army? Why, why do you continue to serve? So that's a good question. It, it's a little cheesy. I, I, I continue to serve because one, the, the Navy, being in the Navy and being a Navy brat, it actually gave me an opportunity to see life differently. Uh, it took me out of, you know, if, if you don't know the history of the Philippines and don't know the, the livelihood of Philippines right now, um, it, it's, a, it's, a, it's a third nation, let be honest. Um, my life would probably be different if I remained in the Philippines. So my mom luckily met my, my stepfather, who I consider my 
my dad, mm-hmm. and he happened to be in the Navy. And just by virtue of being with him, uh, seeing him as a Navy uh, NCO, right? he started off as an NCO and then eventually moved on to be a warrant officer uh, in the Navy before he retired as a W-4. He gave me that sense of pride to be part of this great country, this nation. And because of that, and what the nation and the country has provided for me as an individual and a Navy brat, has allowed me to do the same thing for my own kids, right? My own family. They get to live free. They get to live uh, this lifestyle because of what we uh, we do in the military. But what really has continued me, allowed me to continue to serve is I think, Sergeant Major Men, as you can relate, uh, once you hit a certain point in the Army uh, as an NCO, there's something that automatically triggers. There's either a trigger point that says, hey, you know, I'm done. I'm, I'm getting out wherever I'm at. Uh, for me, it was the soldiers below me and leaving that legacy of taking care of those soldiers because numerous NCOs from various ranks, E5 on the way, all the way up to Sergeant Major, has taken care of me and provided me this opportunity to sit here in front of you today. So that's the biggest reason why I served. Uh, I appreciate that. And I think it's really a shout out to your family, your stepdad that you called dad to, to kind of shape that along the way. And it kind of uh, was a big influence on you and gave you the opportunity to say, hey, look, you know, I want to do something bigger and better than just myself. And uh, serving the, uh, our country has been a, a great honor for myself. You know, like you say, you joined in 95. I came in in 93, so almost right there, uh, same, same time frame. And, and it's truly been an honor. My dad was in the Army as well. Uh, and, uh, you know, the values and, and just that family dynamic that they instilled in me uh, and being that important, I, I think I've been able to bring some of that to the army like, like you have, and it just becomes a big family. You want to care for the soldiers need to like, we kind of care for our family, uh, cause they, they are our family, all our soldiers and battle buddies, they're, they're our family. It continues to broaden as we move up in the ranks. I think it, we find an ownership or an enjoyment to the others succeed. We continue to do that. What made you want to go into the field that you're going? I know you said you originally wanted to do MP, and then they they invested the or they they brought onto you this combat medic, and the combat caught your eye. You know, once you were in it doing the the combat medic job, you know, sometimes you can change MOSs as you go through and get through your enlistment. What made you want to stay in that? That that's a good question, Sergeant Major. So the reason I stayed in, in special specifically in the medical field, number one. When I, I didn't graduate high school, uh, I'll, I'll tell you a little secret about me. I actually ended up getting a GED. So like I said, I was in Japan for 13 years. Mm-hmm. My dad ended up retiring and he retired a couple months earlier than when I was expected to graduate. So when I got to the States, I was not an A student growing up in high school. So I didn't have a lot of the requirements to graduate. So somebody had recommended for me to test out for the GED because of the GED. And then going into the National Guard and then eventually coming active duty. The National Guard gave me the foothold into the medical field. And uh, just a little secret, my mom wanted me to always be a doctor. So this kind of tribute to her right. now, not just my dad, but she, but she wanted me to be a Navy corpsman right. that led to become a doctor. But I figured this is another way to honor her and her guidance. So as I continue to move on, I, I decided I wanted to become a nurse. So there are different levels. There's an LPN and then there's a registered nurse. The Army enlisted side allows you to become an LPN. So what I did is I actually, uh, after I went to combat medic school, I uh, tested out in Washington State for the LPN licensure. So I ended up studying with a couple of Navy corpsmen. Right. And 
happened out of that five of us that went out, three of us got it, and I happened to be one of the three. So uh, after working in a nursing home, once I got my LPN license, that's when I realized this is not my lifestyle. Right. Uh, and then I just so happened to be dating a girl at the same time and who was operating room technician. So again, it's within the medical field. Right. And at the time I was assigned to a field artillery unit. Mm -hmm. And as you know, being in, in the infantry right. or artillery, that can be hard on the, on the body. Of course. And I decided, hey, I'm tired of living in a, you know, a 548. I'm tired of living <laughs> in a track vehicle. Right. And I heard, I heard, when I heard the job operating room tech, I heard air condition, mm -hmm. fixed facility. Right. And I'm wearing scrub grounds and not all this armor on. Right. So I, uh, so I asked to reclass. Uh, as I reclassed into that MOS, I actually um, went to an active duty recruiter. So once I graduated from the operating room tech school out of Fort Sam, my active duty recruiter happened to work my contract. So I came out and then went active duty in 1999. So that's how I came on, how I came to be on active duty. And my whole career, I tracked as an operating room technician, mm -hmm. but because of the specialties I had already prior to coming in on active duty, my first unit was a surgical, field surgical hospital, or first correction, uh, field surgical team, okay. an FST. Because of that, that experience, that I was with them for about six years, and that six years opened my eyes and made me fall in love with trauma. And because of that, I've remained and tracked on, on this yeah. side of the house. I would tell you, I, I probably would not do it any different than what I have done already. The only thing I would probably do is go back to school a little bit more, right. get educated, maybe maybe become a an actual physician, uh, like an ER doc, if I could have done that piece over again. But I, I, I doubt it. I love being an NCO, and I love what we do for the soldiers on right. this side of the house. No, that's that's neat. And again, thank you for sharing your story about you and a little bit about your background. That That is neat, and I think it's important for you know, others to hear that story and even the junior soldiers that are coming up in ranks sometimes question, you know, should I stay in or should I not, you know, or, or who can I relate to? I mean, that's the beauty about the non-commissioned officer. You can relate to so many people and so many diversities that it, it gives the opportunity to, to uh, kind of link in and, and, and see, I, I can follow that person's steps, uh, even if they don't directly work for you, you know, sometimes we, we don't, we just don't know the, the scope of influence that we have out there. And this is definitely, uh, you know, another venue to do that in, in this podcast, is to tell your story, allow us to take a little opportunity and let uh, other people learn about you a little bit. Again, I just want to say welcome to Huntsville. I know you, you kind of explained that you're, uh, you got on ground. You've been here for a little bit uh, and I've been wanting to get you on the show, but welcome to uh, Redstone. Welcome to Huntsville, Alabama. I, I guess one of my questions would be, you know, what do you most like about Huntsville so far? I, I would tell you this Coming out of Korea to and being told I'm coming to Huntsville, Alabama, my first thought was, Alabama? Yeah. Where in the heck is Alabama at? <laughs> and secondly, wait a minute, Huntsville? Yeah. I've never heard about that place. And then they said, no, you're, you're specifically going to Redstone Arsenal. Again, I, well, where is this place at? But luckily for me, the last three years, I've had some great soldiers that I've worked for, uh -huh. worked on, had worked underneath me, and they... Every time I walk by or during football season, mm -hmm. you know, you hear road tide, yeah. road tide. So once I, I knew I was coming to Alabama, that's the first thing that clicked is road tide. So I started calling around and it just so happened I had a soldier named Sartin Blue. He's stationed in Japan now, but he 
is from Huntsville area, uh, and he gave me a good scoop of Huntsville. Um, I didn't believe him at first, but getting here, I would tell you, this is a hidden gem. This location is wonderful. I, I've been to many, many places. The people here are hospitable. This is the nicest people that I've met around uh, Huntsville, Madison area. Matter of fact, just last week I was on leave and my daughter had came down and my daughter spent the weekend with me and, uh, during her fall break. Right. And uh, she was like, Dad, you have more stuff to do here. You have the, all the nature trails. Right. You have all the rivers, the lakes that you can go visit. And then the nightlife is amazing. Right. I, I was about to use a word that she used, but <laughs> I, I didn't want to use it on the right, live right. podcast. But she was very impressed with just everything that we have here in this small, fast-growing community. Right. Uh, I, for me, it's more the people. I, I just... Uh, I can't believe how nice people are, how hospitable everybody is. Um, and that's what I love about it here. Right. No, and I, I definitely agree with you. Uh, you know, when I was coming on ground, I didn't know much about Alabama because I'd never been there. Didn't know much about Redstone because I'd never been stationed here. So I had to do my exploring. And uh, luckily, my, you know, my battle buddy, my uh, star major that was coming out, really gave me a good lowdown about the Huntsville area. And, uh, you know, like you, as soon as I got on ground, you know, they were like, are you a, a road tide guy or are you a war eagle guy? And I'm like, well, I mean, you know, I'm a Texas guy. So let us see what happens. But yeah, it, it's it's definitely a college football state. And uh, you almost kind of have to declare one or the other around here. But the people are great and outstanding around uh, the Huntsville area. It's to me, like you said, I've never seen any other installation that works so closely with their community like Redstone Arsenal and the Huntsville and Huntsville area because they, they really help each other out and they're in tune. And, uh, you know, I, I uh, offer up to other installations, you know, really work with, with your community like, like Redstone does here with, with Huntsville because it makes for a good relationship. It makes for good common understanding with, uh, with the community and the service members and, and uh, contractors that work on the institution. So, yeah, I mean, I want to talk to you a little bit about it and let you uh, explain, you know, what your thoughts were getting here on ground about Huntsville and getting into the Fox Army Health Center. And you say you've been there for a little while. I kind of want to explore a, a couple of avenues uh, since you are the Sergeant Major for the Fox Army Health Center and just see what our uh, community would be interested in finding out a little bit about, you know, some of the processes that go on in there, uh, some of the requirements that have come up on board and, and, you know, just let you talk to us a little bit about some of the things out there. I guess one of the subjects that we can touch on is the the upcoming flu shots that are going on, and we'll we'll touch other subjects too as well. But you know, what are your thoughts on uh, flu shots? Are they available? Will they be available soon? Yeah. So um, the flu shots. So obviously, we we've, we've been pushing the flu shots now since the end of September. Once we got our our first shipment in, currently Redstone is about twenty four percent vaccinated on in, in the area. Mm-hmm. Our vision, our Fox's vision to of course, with the mission, senior mission commander is to be at 90% by 15 January and then eventually 100% by 31 March. Uh, again, there could be numerous things that could that could interfere with us getting to that number. But, you know, I, I would recommend don't delay. Right. Get out there. Go get go get your shot now while while we have the stock in. And some of those delays that will affect us from achieving those is, again, we still have COVID. It's still a, a thing. It's still pushing. It's still... Uh, limiting movement, and that includes logistical supplies. Uh, and some of these vaccinations may be halted at a location just based just because of the travel requirements needed right. to get it to us. So ideally, again, yeah, we are at 24% across the Redstone Arsenal. 
we'd like to be at 90% by 15 January, and then again, 100% by 31 March. If you're an active duty member, you can pretty much go see your PM there and, and get it, right? Roger that. So every morning, we actually have, we open up doors at 7.30, 8 o'clock. If you come to the where it used to be the old cafe, right there to the left is a little, uh, is a desk. You go into that room. I'll have a, a soldier or a civilian sitting there. What they'll do is sign you in. You let them know, hey, I, I want to try to get my flu shot early this morning. You'll go downstairs. They'll sign you in, send you downstairs to our Fox Den where we have a set of immunization set up. Uh -huh. You'll get your immunization down there uh, and, and we'll make sure it gets put into MedPros for you so your command can, can track that you've gotten your vaccine. And we'll also give you a little card that says, hey, you, you've received your vaccination. If you don't want to do that or you want to schedule, uh, like Sergeant Major Menace had, had alluded to, just get a hold of your PCM, make an appointment, and then they can also uh, schedule for you to get your, your flu shot during your visit. No, that's that's exactly right. Because I went in for a uh, doctor's appointment, and they're like, "You want your flu shot while you're here?" And I'm like, "Well, sign me up." So I was able to knock out my flu shot while I was seeing my PCM for a, a regular uh, appointment. But that's good information. I appreciate that uh, information on the flu shots. Uh, another question that had been uh, kind of being tossed around. Obviously, you know, as we were continuing to fight the the COVID pandemic, is is talking about uh, um, COVID vaccinations and. Uh, you know, at first we, you know, we were offering, or you guys were offering the vaccinations, and now we're into a, a stage where, you know, it's it's mandatory for active duty members, and now it's uh, becoming mandatory for uh, for DoD uh, employees. And I want to see if you can touch a little bit about, you know, the uh, mandate that came out and uh, and COVID vaccination as a whole. Yes. Yeah, so, Sergeant Major, uh, you're, I guess you're talking about the Executive Order fourteen zero forty three that was signed uh, requiring that all federal employees to get the COVID vaccination no later than 22 November of uh, 2021. So a couple things, just I'll put it out there so everybody's kind of aware. So Fox Army Health Center does not have the Pfizer. We don't have the J&J. &J. We do have Moderna. If you're trying to get it through us and try to meet that deadline date, you've already, you're already too late. Uh, you were supposed to have gotten your vaccination no later than October 11th, your first one. So that way, uh, by November 8th, you would have been able to get your second one and still met the requirement. So right now, if you get online and search for vac locations that, that give vaccinations, uh, you can get the Pfizer um, out there in the community and the J&J. &J, and I would recommend that you do that sooner rather than later. So if you're trying to get the Pfizer, you have to get your shot no later than October 18th. So that way you can meet that November 8th timeframe. It's a three-week process or 21 days that you have to wait in between to be able to get to be fully vaccinated under the Pfizer. Um, with the J&J, &J, we would recommend that you get it no later than November 8th. It's a one-time shot uh, and you, you'll be good to go. But again, you have to have it before November 8th to meet that November 22nd deadline. The reason that we tell you to ensure that you get it by November 8th, because you got to think about us being able to update and report up the process. So everyone's saying, well, I have till November 22nd. No, it's, it's actually November 8th. It's mandated for Sergeant Major Menes and myself to send those reports up to uh, our next higher level, uh, and probably sooner than that because of the different delineations of authority. So we would recommend it no later or no, earlier, uh, no later than November 8th. If you can get it sooner than that, that's even better, and then make sure that you're not on that, that list that comes out um, not being vaccinated. No, that's some good information. I appreciate you all sh uh, you sharing that with us so that 
you know, our listening audience uh, knows and understands just in case there's a question about it, there's some hesitation about it. I mean, it's, it's out there. It is, there is a mandate and, uh, you know, you can get vaccinated. I would say like, you know, even if you were uh, one that was not going to get it and then all of a sudden you decide, hey, you know what, I'm just going to go ahead and knock it out. You know, you can go and get that Moderna shot with you guys. It's not that you, we've passed this cutoff and we're not uh, allowing you to come in anymore. You, you still can. You just won't meet the guidelines uh, cutoff that we have set already. I guess it's, uh, you know, you're, you're on ground now at the Fox Army Health Center. You've kind of made a, an assessment. You've been there for a little bit and seen how things are operating in there. Can you share with the listening audience any new operations or processes that are going on that would probably be important for our listeners that deal with Fox Army Health Center to know? So, sorry, Major Man, as I'll tell you the truth, I changed everything up in that place. <laughs> I'm just joking. No, what? I, uh, so a couple of things. Fox has been running on its own. It, we have some great staff. We have great leadership there. I, you know, again, I could be biased because I'm part of the leadership team, but uh, honestly, this, the staff alone is awesome. So some things that we're trying to do, one of the bigger initiatives right now is trying to assess and help out our pharmacy. I, I don't know if everybody knows, but our pharmacy has about, about 46,000 beneficiaries that it serves, right? So annually, they serve, they have a workload of about 291,000 prescriptions that they fill annually. So imagine that, uh, that's half of what our beneficiary population is. One thing that we ask is uh, there are numerous ways to get a hold of our shop, right? To put in your prescription. You can call in the, the 1-800 number. You can call in the, that appointment line, direct fill, direct fill, and then you have an online uh, hashtag that you can actually go to. That we, we actually prefer that you refill your electronic, your fax, your renewals, your refills requests via online at HTTPS. Colon backslash backslash www.redstone.amed.army.mil. If you get on that on our website, it will actually be on there. Click that link and it'll send you to a area where you can upload your prescription, scan that in, send it to us. And you, what you will actually get from us is a text to when you can pick it up. It's a faster process. So how many of you have come to our pharmacy, sat there for about an hour to two hours waiting for just just to get your face to the window and then another hour just to get your prescription it's because we're we're we have a small staff but we have a big community to service so if you want your wait time to be reduced to maybe 5 minutes maybe even 10 uh we would recommend that you get on that line uh send your stuff via electronic to that link and then we will text you let you know hey on this day you are uh, available pick it up you'll check in Go straight to the window, and we'll send you. A, we'll send you to the window where you can pick up your prescription, and you'll be on your way. Uh, we re also recommend that for those that have providers out in town, uh, have them go to the the pharmacy, the Redstone Arsenal Pharmacy link that they that they have, uh, and have them put your order in that way, and we can expedite this process for you, so you're not sitting around waiting in our pharmacy indefinitely. No, uh, I. I appreciate that information. I think our listeners appreciate that. There's other avenues than just walking in and trying to get your prescription. There's, there's the online, there's, you know, uh, call it in, you know, there's, there's different uh, venues you can use to, to help expedite uh, your pickup at the pharmacy. And I uh, appreciate uh, you sharing that new operating procedure 
you know, as we close out, one, I, I want to thank you for uh, being on the on the show, you know, the bluff line to, to, to be able to bring that that information. And I just wanted to share with everybody, you know, this this is a, a venue for uh, communicating for NCOs to communicate uh, what's uh, what's out there. And, it, and to me, it really aligns with the Army's NCO strategy. And we talk about the four lines of effort. You know, when we talk about leadership and communication, it's, it's really taking ownership. And uh, Sergeant Major, you really have taken ownership and it's effective communication. I think that's one of the, this is one of the venues so we can put that message out so people have a better understanding of how things are working over there and, and things that they can use. It's, under, it's under, uh, understanding the operational environment. And, and that's definitely a, a plus here that uh, what we're doing to, to allow, uh, you know, not only service members, but also beneficiaries to, to jump on and have a better understanding of the programs that are out there for our retired soldiers are the families and active duty soldiers, National Guard, reservists, you name it. Uh, you are definitely hosting and taking care of so many out there at the, at the, the Fox Army Health Center. You know, and uh, I want to say thank you for sharing your story. Thank you for uh, talking to us about the, the hospital here and uh, just give you a last opportunity to kind of close out and say anything you want to say to you about your family, about the, what things how things are going out here but uh you know mike over to you so uh, we can close this out i uh, appreciate again appreciate um sir major menace having me come out uh, this is a awesome awesome way to communicate to the community as we alluded as we conversed prior to the pod, start of the podcast um i just want to do a quick shout out to my fox family you know uh, i have 17 active duty soldiers assigned to fox and about 170 da civilians and 23 contractors those are the individuals that keep Fox running. Myself and the command team, all we do is we guide them forward. It, it's those individuals that run that hospital. They, they keep that hospital going. They're the ones that, that take care of the patients. I, I, I apologize that we cannot provide you certain other services. Uh, that is why we have the network. We can send you out to the network for those specialized cases. Uh, understand that we, we, again, we service about 46,000 um, beneficiaries out there and, and and just a quick breakdown of that that's that equals out to about a thousand military active duty components um between uh all compos and then we have their family members then we also have the retirees and their retirees family members and then we have about 94 tricare plus uh individuals that we we service so there's a big population that we service and as as i alluded to with our small numbers of personnel they do a great job. Can we do better? We will always, we will always strive to do better for you all as a community uh, and, as, and as your health center. But again, thank you for this opportunity, Sergeant Major Menez. We hope to do it again. And hopefully next time I'll have some other things we can talk about. Yeah, most definite. And, you know, as I close out, it, it just it really reminds me of a line from the Creed of the Non-Commissioned Officer that as NCOs communicate consistently with my soldiers and never leave them uninformed. And, you know, once a soldier, always a soldier, if you're retired out there uh, or if you're on active duty or National Guard or reservists or no matter what component you're in, you know, our job is to continue to communicate. And uh, thank you for coming on to the show and doing that with me uh, to, to um, push out the, that message and, uh, and hopefully help one or two others out there that are listening to it. So, you know, with that, Sergeant Major Mawak, I appreciate your time. And uh, this is Sergeant Major Jimenez signing off from the Bluff Line. Thank you. <laughs>